This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today I am joined by Venki Shankar. Venki is Coleman Chair Professor of Marketing and Director of Research, Center for Retailing Studies, May Business School at Texas A&M University. His areas of, of expertise are innovation, retailing, artificial intelligence, digital business, marketing strategy, B2B marketing, international marketing, and pricing. He recently put out a article that I found fascinating on NLP and its uh, application in retail. So welcome to the show, Venki. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Yes. I don't get a ton of professors, albeit we have some professors on the show from uh, time to time. And uh, today you're teaching and doing research at Texas A&M, that's right? That's right. Very cool. And uh, what else are you, what, what, well, let's back up. Tell us about you. Well, who's, who is Venki and how did you get into this? And tell us a little the story about Venki. Thank you so much, uh, Chris, for the opportunity to be on your show. Um, as you nicely introduced myself and my, my title, uh, I started my retail journey uh, way back in my undergrad days where I was an engineer. I was to look at retailing and saying, this is a, an area where technology could really uh, disrupt and make a lot of changes. So from engineering, I went into business and then I got my PhD in uh, marketing from the Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern. And then I started focusing at that time, there was the turn of the internet and Amazon was launched at that time. So I got really interested in analyzing online, offline behavior and trying to understand what retailers should do. So I was like a kid in the candy store, you know, how it is, right? You start with video games, you start looking at uh, retailing opportunities and you look look at these evolution, online, offline, digital. And then I started researching uh, these areas a lot. Pretty soon I um, started moving very much deeply into research in uh, most recently in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all technology, but in the retail space, I've been watching that as a shopper, as a researcher, and I was fortunate to work with a multitude of retailers in terms of consulting, um, executive education, and also research opportunities that informed me a lot. And today I sit uh, in a very enviable position where we're seeing a lot of disruptions in retailing, and we are also able to see the role of technology making those changes happen. And uh, it's been a very good journey and uh, I've been learning and I continue to learn even as I speak as of today. Fantastic. So you got your PhD in, in, in 95 and then Amazon kind of takes off. And in 2012, you wrote a book Shopper Marketing. That's right. Tell everybody what that book was about. Yeah, I think uh, we uh, were witnessing a paradigm change, if you will, in consumer packaged goods, starting with that to all areas of retailing. And that was the fact that marketers 
who used to spend a lot on mass media advertising, you know, to TV advertising, they were shifting all their promotion efforts into the retail. Uh, so the point of purchase being the store and also into digital. And so consumers marketing, uh, marketing to consumers started changing, right? And now you started calling them shoppers rather than consumers because a shopper is somebody who necessarily does not become a consumer immediately, right? A shopper, we all shop for a lot of good things, whether it's window shopping or whether it's shopping in the store, online, shopping for others. So we are in the mode of looking at things and evaluating things so that then we started looking at how we can influence those shoppers as marketers, both retailers and brand manufacturers. And we wanted to better understand shopper behavior. How do shopper behave? When faced with a ring set of technologies, channels, touch points, uh, and sort of 360 degree view of how a shopper looks at multiple options, right? And that meant that a lot of research was being done at that point in time. So I consolidated all the research, including my own, and then came up with this book on shopper marketing, which informs any manager about how shoppers go about their shopping behavior, starting from you know, problem recognition, pre-purchase, all the way to post-purchase and recommendation, the use of social media and so on. So that created the opportunity for us to better understand how to market in this new land where, you know, shoppers are constantly being touched by multiple messages from all over the place. And how do we compete in this marketplace? If you were to sum up that answer to that question in like your Twitter message of 280 characters or less, how would you sum up the answer to that question? The way to look at it is, uh, shopper marketing is evolved considerably and is con continuing to evolve with the acceleration in digital disruption and technologies, uh, social and mobile media, and marketers have to pivot very quickly to really address these issues. And, and when you say pivot, what are some places they should be pivoting to? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the movements that we're seeing is omnichannel marketing, right? Which is trying to uh, look at everything from a shopper's point of view and try and see if I'm a marketer, if I'm a retailer or a brand manufacturers, how do I stand out in the minds of the consumers? Where do I, where do I figure in their purchase journey, right? Pre-purchase, post-purchase, all of the uh, different steps. And we need to pivot to where we are top on the mind in terms of awareness and we are also very useful to the shopper at the right time so today after the pandemic chris we all are used to shopping uh from our home so curbside assistance or you know delivery all the different modes we are now used to right and that's the pivot that retailers and marketers had to do and that was accelerated by covid crisis however in general retailers and marketers marketers, uh, brand marketers have to be thinking constantly about how to do it on a continuing basis and not be uh, doing this when you're forced to do it. And that's the pivot that I'm talking about being constantly, you know, being ahead of what shoppers are anticipating. So that brings us to the emergence of metaverse, right? So metaverse is poised to become a new playground. Uh, and 
do we as marketers have a presence there? Have, are you planning? Because shoppers are thinking about it, shoppers are going there. So are we pivoting to that? So that would be one area for us to think about. That makes sense to you? It makes sense. I think one of the things, so you said a lot there, so we'll go to a bunch of things. People keep saying, and I'd love your take on this, that the the pandemic changed how consumers shopped, and, and you and you mentioned from home, and no doubt consumers shopped from home a little bit because we were in a place where we weren't supposed to leave our houses, yet, I don't know, it depends on the numbers and the quarter, but I don't know, somewhere north of 80% of all retail sales are still taking place in stores, done yeah. in a store. So, so did the consumer really change? Yes, the consumer <laughs> seemed like they did. Yes, <laughs> they did. Uh, the, the, the key to understand is that a lot of people think that, you know, it is one way or the other. People think, oh, everything is shifting to online versus everything is staying in store. The reality is that's what is omnichannel. It's not, you know, it, extremes. It's a balance, right? So if you think about the balance in 2020, by 2025, it'll be 75-25. 75% of all the sales will still occur in bricks and mortar locations. But 25% will be online. But the, the point is that they're all intertwined. So today, our shopping behavior is very different from shopping behavior 20 years ago where we used to go to a store and buy or you know, few of us used to buy online. Now we search things online. We already make up our mind sometimes. And then we basically come to the store uh, to experience things. Look at the DTC brands, direct to consumers, right? You go to a store to experience. So if you think about a Warby Parker, our Bonobos, our Casper, uh, you do it all online, but you want to come to the store to experience it. Are you... You go to a style shop in Bonobos and you do all the fitting, but then you get the product shipped. So the role of the stores is very, very important now. And people don't understand very clearly that it's not just to sell products in the store itself. Store is a very important element of this omnichannel mix, but store's role is not just to sell products. Store's got experience role, store's got uh, in information role, and store's got a, a role to play in exciting the shopper. So those are all the roles that'll still be there. So you'll consequently you'll see store being a very important part of the future of shopping. I'm, I'm so intrigued by what will happen with this because you mentioned some brands in, in these DTC brands. If you take, and today, and we talked about 80-20, the thing that I... I kind of squint my eyes at a bit is if you take some of these brands that I think are great and I, I love seeing what they're doing, you know, whether it's Warby, Untuck It, whomever, they're a very, very small piece of overall retail spend. The direct-to-consumer as we know it, right? I, I think direct-to-consumer is interesting because brands like Apple and Nike have gone direct to consumer forever. And we just started talking about this not too right. long ago, this, this word. But I don't know. You take brands like Warby and Untuck It and you add up all of them. Not all of them. You add up a bunch of them. And they, they don't even equal the market share of Pampers, one brand by 
Procter and Gamble. And so I get a little concern that we take some of these niche DTC models that represent a small share of the overall market and then say, this is the changing landscape. Right. I understand your concern. And I, I'm saying the same thing. I'm not trying to say that these are the uh, dominant part of the landscape, but what they, even they are going into physical stores. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. They started out online, but they are going into stores. What I'm emphasizing here is the role of the store is getting changed. Even the conventional you know, campers being sold through a multitude of physical stores, the role of uh, the stores in that process itself is changing. So, for example, a lot of people uh, who buy Pampers are in the store, uh, could buy it in multiple ways. They could go to the store and, you know, take the whole item, which is bulky in stock, or they could still buy it from the same store, but order online and get it delivered. Uh, or they could still, you know, go and pick it up in a curbside. Somebody loads it under their car so they don't have to lug it around. So a lot of these uh, we need to better understand how uh, these scenarios changing so that uh, the role of the store is adequately done. If you look at you know traditional very strong retailers, Target, Walmart, uh, uh, Costco, they're going really strong. Why are they doing uh, very well? Because there is an important role for them, right? And and, and that's not just physical. They are also omni-channel. They are also able to understand customer needs, and they are also pivoting. Uh, lots of their customers want curbside pickup, so they're now very agile now. They are able to cater to the needs better. Some of the customers want to be in-store only, so they are able to cater to that. Uh, it is understanding how your different market segments are behaving, are anticipating, and pivoting to the different channels it becomes very critical. Uh, and store has got an absolutely crucial role to play on this. Totally agree on, on, on that last point. And I, I am with you on the omni-channel. Albeit, in certain scenarios, I can tell you in March of 2020, there were very few diapers, in my opinion. <laughs> right. I don't know what the stats say. Being sold online. Right. Because I went online and they said like two weeks. If you've ever been in the purchase of diapers, you can't wait two weeks for diapers oh, yeah, to show it is, up. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like eternity. So, yeah. <laughs> that is an eternity. Even next day doesn't work. I know. It's too late. <laughs> but we also remember that was a, a there was a panic mode. People stocked up on diapers uh, far excessively, uh, and that also led to supply chain shortages. But then you saw after that, there was a lull in that demand for that. So these cycles happen this happened because of the pandemic but what is interesting is the role of technology chris because if you look at lowe's today um you know very uh, in store physical uh hardware retailer but they have now used technology in fabulous ways to really enhance that shop these the shopping that takes place in the store so you can basically have robots that greet you and then take you to the right location, right? It, remember how many times we've gone to a Lowe's or Home Depot and got lost, right? So this is where I think uh, the role of the store has gotten very different, right? Now you can use the technology to make people go to the right aisles 
uh, to also interest people, give them more guided tours. Uh, you can use uh, augmented reality, for example, to overlay, you know, how a, um, an item might look in your uh, kitchen or your uh, a bathroom so that you can make better uh, decisions in shop while shopping in the store, right? Uh, this is what I mean is really the changes or the pivoting that the retailers have to do. And if retailers tended to really uh, market the same way as they used to in the past, they would be losing a lot of uh, shoppers because let's face it, you know, one third or more are uh, millennials and uh, Gen Zs now, right? And they are used to technology. So uh, retailers will have to really understand that they want to use technologies to shop in even while they're in the store, right? And that's where I think the pivoting has to happen. Does that make sense to you? It does. It makes a lot of sense. All right. Let's go to something that that you said not so new that people are talking about a lot that you were, uh, you didn't write the article, but you were interviewed about it, which is the store and store concept. And you were interviewed about the Lowe's and Petco scenario. So why don't you give us some take on what's going on with store and store and how you see that playing out in the future and what you just think of the concept of store and store. Absolutely. Uh, so, Chris, store and store is not a new concept, to be honest with you. It's been around forever. You think of department stores, you know, they used to house all the big brands, the uh, designer brands and the luxury brands. And all of them were counters. You know, if you think about going to even today to a Macy's store uh, and then go to the beauty department, you can see the different brands, Christian Dior, uh, you know, Calvin Klein, all of them will have it their own so-called booths are uh, small retail spaces, right? And so the idea was that at that time, people could get a sample of a different set of brands, each exclusively marketed and dedicated by salesperson or sales staff. And that is how they promoted it. But what didn't happen in the past, which is happening now, is a, an entirely a new store that used to market separately as a different store. now being part of a bigger store concept. So uh, Sephora, for example, is a luxury brand and that started, you know, having its store within store within store in a lot of these uh, outlets like uh, in JCPenney, Kohl's, even, uh, you know, not very big uh, retailers, but uh, retailers even, you know, in strip mall locations and smaller footprints. And the idea is that, uh, you know, this, these retailers can have expanded traffic because of the new brand that they bring inside their um, real estate. So if Lowe's gets Petco in, it gets a lot of pet owners in the store who might actually cross shop and buy some hardware products. And, and likewise, Petco can get some Lowe's shoppers back in. And also the demographics. So if you think about pet owners, most of them are uh, uh, majority of them are women, 60 percenters. So uh, whereas uh, it's the opposite for hardware stores, right? A majority of them are male. So now you can get a mix of uh, the genders to shop in the store. So that's an advantage. The hard part is to working out the economics of it. Who gets what and how do you distribute it? Uh, and that's the thing that being worked out right now. Uh, Best Buy is a great example of store within store. Right? Best Buy uh, had a hard time competing with Amazon because 
they were getting showroomed out. You know, showroom is the concept that, uh, you know, where shoppers used to go to Best Buy, learn about a new TV or a stereo system or a new computer through all their sales force, and then go to Amazon and buy it at the lowest price, right? So that concept was making them uncompetitive. So Best Buy started saying, what can I do? How do I compete with Amazon? So one possibility is that I have this higher real estate cost and I'm also paying my sales force. So my costs are higher. I can price match, but if I price match, my margins are lower and I could go out of business pretty soon. But if I price match, um, I have to do the price matching. It became almost clear in the short term, but in the long term, how do I do? How do I you know, transfer some of the costs to the brands themselves? So they create a store within store where they could have a section of Apple brands, Samsung brands, Sony brands, and they undertake uh, to manage the retail space. They have their own sales force and they pay for that. Uh, what is in the interest of Sony's and Samsung's and Apple's? Because they know that they will have dedicated time of consumers and shoppers, right? And so they can build the brand within the store. So it made sense for Best Buy to have the store within store concept to defray the cost and at the same time attract buyers who will get uh, more knowledge of these technical or technological products, which require a more expertise in either buying, installation, usage, and so on. And so the store within store has caught some momentum because the retailers now can share costs, attract different mix of shoppers, and done right, they can actually increase and stimulate demand, right? So that's where that's where store within store concept is headed, but it remains to be seen how the economics will be worked out and how they make sure that you know some brands don't step on each other's turfs, which can happen if it just goes really beyond I, a limit. I, I love those three things that you mentioned that are that make store and store interesting or compelling. Defraying cost access to new consumers and demographics and and potentially increasing demand. That is, th those are three interesting points about store and store that uh, you don't hear about all too often. And I think it's great insight. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So the, the last piece, I think you're spending a lot of time on artificial intelligence and its place in retail. Tell us about that. Oh, there's a lot of uh, excitement around that because now retail, uh, name of retail is, uh, again, how do you really anticipate customer needs and really cater to those needs, right? Think about uh, the old, very, very old days of retailing where you used to have a corner store. The corner store owner used to know everybody who's to come to the store. So Chris, if you went to your corner store, and the shop owner would know exactly what does Chris want, right? What does he not like? And similarly for me too. And that was the age of personalization or customization, which we took for granted. Then when we started scaling, when we got chain retailers, and then you know we got uh, huge uh, big box stores, uh, all those concepts disappeared, right? Then retailing became more impersonal, and it's all about low prices and uh, masses and volumes and so on. But now we are in an age where consumers or shoppers want personalization. We want experiences, we want the products, we want the services, we want the mix of items that we really care about. 
So we want retailers to cater to that. How best can we do that? Enter AI, right? AI now allows you on scale to really personalize things. So AI has a lot of role to play on the consumer shopper side, trying to personalize recommendations and uh, shopping experiences. On the, on the supply side also, AI helps us a lot. How does it help? It helps inventory management. It helps uh, uh, making sure that uh, you know, we're managing the process efficiently. We don't have stock outs. We have the right, almost the right products at the right time, uh, almost sold on demand. So AI is helping in that because it's doing real-time forecasting and so on. AI is helping with robotics, micro-fulfillment, which is the idea that uh, you are fulfilling on-demand using automation, right? Uh, all these things are converging now. The technology is much cheaper and faster because now you, you can use all the data the consumers are giving you, uh, not just in the purchase data, but also the social media data, the, uh, their behavioral data that we can now use to customize. Now you have uh, also scaling with AI with voice, video, and, um, and data. So all of these things can be used now on real-time basis to really meet customers where they want you to be met. And that's where the power of AI is. Now the question is become commercially viable in a lot of places. And as it becomes more and more commercially viable, AI will start to really make big impacts or influences in the way um, marketers are marketing to shoppers and how the omni-channel mix is being managed. That makes sense to you? I mean, I'm far from being an expert in understanding AI. This is not my world, but uh, I encourage everyone to read the piece you just put out on NLP. And I think that is interesting. Uh, so does it make sense? I understand what you said and the benefits. I think how it all starts to shake out will be interesting to see. Thank you. Yeah, you want to tell everybody about the article you put out on- Sure, yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, just completed a uh, piece of research uh, with Sohil Persana. He's from uh, Oracle Corporation. And we, he and I wrote a piece on, on the influence of NLP as natural language processing in marketing and how it is reshaped uh, marketing. So we go into a technical deep dive and introduce what an NLP is and how is it being used. And we also showcase the more emerging class of NLP tools, what we call auto encoders, uh, which are being used uh, systematically now to better understand customer needs, uh, anticipate those needs, and then deliver on those needs by marketers. So it also ends with a set of uh, future research directions and future areas of opportunity. So it's published at the Journal of Academy of Marketing Science. It's online, went online two days ago, and it'll be available. And those of you who are interested in reading this can Google Journal of Academy of Marketing Science and uh, my name, that is Venkatesh Shankar or Venki Shankar, and they should be able to see it. Excellent. Okay. Venki, I want to take us to the last part of the show. We call this retail wisdom. I've got three questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Go shoot away. All right. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Toys R Us. Well, it's not totally extinct. I know that there are some to Toys R Us sections that AC's giving, but uh, I know as a kid, uh, I've been in Toys R Us far too often for myself, for my kids. I know that. 
there used to be uh, that uh, glow in children's faces when they went into the store that unfortunately does not exist now to that extent. So that would be my um, my store that I'd love to see more of. Perfect. Question two. What is the last item over $20 you purchased in a store? Well, I, I had to buy a new pair of shoes. So uh, that was well over 20. So uh, I'm a more, what, what you call minimalistic person. Uh, I have only one pair of sneakers at any given time um, because I feel like the planet can do with, uh, you know, conspicuous consumption. And um, I had to recently buy one because my old sneakers absolutely, you know, will not travel any further. So where'd you get them? I got, I think I got them in um, online first and then went into the store to make sure that I'm buying the right item. So I'm a true omni-channel shopper, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Last question. Venki, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? The video game section, right? The games and the technology and electronics. I know it's very strange. Uh, I, I don't play video games anymore. Uh, I'm too old. At least my son thinks that you know, I'm I'm too slow and a lot of things, but I do a lot of research and video games, gaming, metaverse, uh, NFT, and so on. So I'm always fascinated to find what is the latest on that. And I always like to check things out. Perfect. Okay. Well, Venki, uh, this was terrific. Thanks so much. Where can people find Thank you? Thank you, uh, Chris. It's been my pleasure and delight. Uh, you do a great job with your podcast. Uh, and uh, I... Certainly love uh, listening to many of them. And uh, viewers and listeners can find me on my website, uh, which is venkishankar.com, uh, spelled V-E-N-K-Y-S-H-A-N-K-A-R.com. So um, you can go there and find a uh, connection to all my articles and uh, my uh, podcast. I myself I have a podcast where I interview a lot of academics so they can uh, get access to that and uh, all my media appearances and so on. Thank you so much, Chris, for providing a great platform. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.